Flyers Fix. Flyers Fix. With Jason Mertidis and Brian Smith. And welcome to episode number seven of Flyers Fix with Jason Mertidis and Brian Smith. A very special episode. As you'll get to hear the conversation I was able to have with Oscar Lindblom. It feels good to have a conversation with Oscar Lindblom today. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jason. How are you? I'm good, man. I've been uh, yeah. beating off the Flyer fans that uh, are, are in uh, negative Negadelphia mode. I'm trying to tell them <laughs> the world did not end uh, with the loss yesterday, but uh, it's great to to be talking to Oscar. We'll break down the game from uh, Game Two and uh, look ahead to Game Three after we talk to Oscar. But really good for Oscar to be back in the bubble. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's the first step to him doing anything, uh, playing or practicing or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's been uh, just over a week now, so I think he's getting through all the things that he had to do in terms of uh, fulfilling the requirements to per- participate and, uh, you know, move around and do whatever else you can do in the bubble there. So uh, it's, it's good that that is done. And, and now I guess we're, uh, we're getting close to seeing him uh, maybe back on the ice. Not that we can, uh, we can see much of what's going on on the ice, but, um, you know, it's uh, uh, figuratively uh, to see him back out there with the team will be great. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think anybody really has uh, much of a, you know, a good handle on how long it would take for him to, uh, to come back from something like what he's been doing. But again, when it all started, the, uh, the, the, thought was September and uh, we're, we're getting close to that so um, you know if the uh, Flyers are still going in September I think that might be the goal yeah and he will certainly provide an emotional lift to this team as well just his presence and being around uh, the boys once again so let's get right to Oscar uh, had a chance to catch up with them on Saturday and here's the conversation with Flyers forward Oscar Lindblom very special episode of Flyers fix and joining us right now is Flyers forward Oscar Lindblom Oscar how are you I'm doing great I mean can't complain. I'm in Toronto right now and having a good time, so can't complain at all. Uh, what does it mean to you right now to be in Toronto, to be back with the team and through all you've been through? What, what is this moment to, to be there inside the Hub City with uh, what the boys mean for you? I mean, it just feels feel like I'm back on track. Yeah. Just need to start working out and start skating again, but like just be around around the guys again. It just makes me get so much more energy and like I just feel like I'm living my normal life again so i'm i'm very happy right now uh, i know you had a workout this morning how has that process been for you getting back on the ice and doing what you love it's been it's been good like going slowly forward and I'm not gonna stress anything so we'll see how long it's gonna take for me to get back on where i want to be but like like you said i was working out today and probably skating tomorrow so just take one day at a time and and see how it goes Oscar, uh, what has all the, the support meant to you? Because, I mean, you've gotten not just from the organization, the, the front office, the, your entire team, all your teammates, but also the fans, e- even players on, on, you know, around the league, uh, guys that you played against and even around the world. Uh, you see those Oscar Strong T-shirts. What does that support kind of meant to you and how did it help you? I mean, especially in the start there when it was like tougher to just think through it that I had cancer and all that and you see all all the people around me just getting together and supporting me was like just gave me so much more energy and like positiveness to just go forward and like felt like I'm gonna gonna get through this and I gotta have all these people behind me it's gonna make it easier. When you got your original diagnosis and they use that word cancer, um, what was that moment like for you and how quickly were you able to kind of get your mind behind? Okay, now I got a battle. I know what I'm battling against. Let's get after it. 
Yeah, I mean, the first day when I when I got the call from the dock and from that, it was just, I don't know, tough, tough to, to, to describe, really. It's, I, just, I can't really remember it. I just remember that feeling of emptiness, like nothing going on in my head. just felt, like, empty and couldn't think of anything else and, like, life and what am I going through after this and all that. But after a couple of days, I just felt like, yeah, I still need to stay positive in this. Like, I'm going to get through this if I do do the things right here and I'm going to get the help I needed from the doc. So I felt pretty positive after after a week. Or so I felt like I have to get through this and then I, I'm going to be strong. And like, like we talked to earlier, like I have people around me that, that helped me and pushed me, pushed me forward too. And you don't want to let that word, that cancer word define you, but how's this experience changed you? You know, how has it changed your life as far as perspective and, and what's truly important because it is pretty sobering. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think everyone says that like you only live your life once like anything can happen i was in good shape i i was i felt good and i still got cancer you know it can happen to anybody and just like enjoy life and try to have fun on the way like that's what i've been trying to do since that even 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 if i was positive and all that before but now i just feel like i don't i don't have to be negative about anything in life just take it as it comes and enjoy life um, conversely, Oscar, take me to that moment. Uh, we saw the video when you rang the bell to signify the end of your treatments. That had to be a pretty amazing feeling. And uh, I don't know if you can equate it to your first NHL goal, but that had to be pretty special at that time. And I, and I know that uh, you were really appreciative of the doctors. Yeah, well, something special. Like, I didn't know what to expect, really. And I see all the all the nurses standing there and, like, applaud me and all that. and rang the bell and it just felt like I had chills all over my body and just felt like oh finally I'm done with this and hopefully I can stay away for the rest of my life and just to see everybody there sharing on me it was, uh, it was a great day and, I, and a great feeling. In a weird time too when you're going through this with everything going on in our world too but it became a very inspirational story um, Chuck Fletcher Oscar said uh, nothing's out of the realm of possibility when it comes to you playing at some point perhaps even in these playoffs if the team's able to advance, is that your mindset in, in your training right now? Yeah, of course. I, like I want to get back as fast as possible. But, but like I said earlier, I don't want to stress anything. I haven't I haven't set a date or something like when I, when I want to play or something. So I'm just gonna take it day by day and see how my body's gonna respond on the on the workouts and the and the ice sessions here, and then, then we'll see. Like, I mean, if I feel ready to play, I, I, of course I want to play. But if I'm not ready, I'm not gonna put myself in a situation where I'm not going to help the team or like put myself in danger out there. So, so we'll see what happens here. Where, where do you feel like your game is right now? I know you had to quarantine when you got to Toronto coming over from Sweden, but uh, where do you feel like your game is right now uh, from a conditioning standpoint, your hands and those kind of things? I mean, it's, it's tough to say, like I haven't been working out or like skating with a team in a long while. So I need, a, I think I need a week here before I can tell you anything, how, how I feel about that in my playing shape right now. So we'll see, we'll see what happens here. I can't, I can't really tell you right now. Uh, you actually did skate a few times while you were going through treatments. How was that? That that had to be I mean, good for you to feel that kind of normalness, right? Yeah, exactly. Just get out of my apartment and, and do something different. And like, I've been trying to, to bike at home and like taking walks and all that. So just get out of the ice and get a feel and feel that I, that I can play and I still have my, I can still shoot the puck. I can still skate. So, just get a little extra boost from that was was great for me and like I said get out of that apartment a little bit and, and have some fun and, and I'm not thinking about anything when I'm out there so 
it was great to be there. Um, you become an inspiration for this team. What do they need to do coming up in game uh, in game number three to get the win? I mean, just get back on track. It's just one game. Doesn't matter if you lose one nothing or five nothing. We all know we, we can do better than that. So just need to get back on track next game, and I, hope, I think we're gonna come out even harder. So I think we, we we know what to do, and we just need to focus on that and and go go through the next game here. Oscar, I appreciate you doing this, man. Everybody has been pulling for you, and uh, you're such a classy guy. You handled this with such grace and dignity. Everybody is uh, really happy at how things went for you, and we can't wait to see you back on the ice, man. Thanks again for doing this, and, and, and we're all rooting for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love his, um, his spirit and just, like, how he kind of attacked this whole thing, Brian. You heard him say in the interview um, that when he originally got the diagnosis – he allowed himself a few days, maybe a week before he wanted to go, okay, now I got, I know what I'm fighting. Now let me go fight. And he did. And that's great. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, and it's the kind of, uh, it's that kind of attitude that's the, makes him the kind of guy that endears himself so much to his teammates. Um, you know, just from the standpoint of, uh, you know, what he was like, uh, before all this, uh, you know, it didn't really go away. Uh, and it was that, that reason that uh, everybody was, um, you know, so, well, for one thing, that everybody was, uh, you know, uh, so shocked by the diagnosis and uh, so quickly, to, so quick, of course, to get behind him um, is that uh, he's the kind of guy that you want to be around on uh, on a day to day basis. So, you know, it, it was great to see him uh, attack this whole thing with that same sort of attitude, uh, you know, even through the difficult times. And it has uh, it seems to have paid off, uh, at least in terms of his overall health. And uh, we'll see how long it can pay off as far as getting back on the ice. Yeah, obviously hearing that news uh, for anyone, let alone, you know, a, a, a guy who is 23 years of age at the time. Happy birthday, Oscar, by the way. Um, today's his birthday yep. uh, upon taping. Uh, his 24th birthday here on August 15th. Um, one of the things that I think has been overlooked, though, is, is the fact that, you know, he was having a really good season. Getting that news is really sobering because you didn't see a player that seemed debilitated in any way, shape, or form, sick, if you will, on the ice right at the break. When, when, when he got the diagnosis, he had played 30 games. He had 11 goals and seven assists. And if you extrapolate that out over a season, it's 30 goals and 19 assists. Uh, and he's doing this while, obviously, he, he was ill and didn't know it. Uh, but one of the things I think that's been lost in all this is the hockey player that he is. He's a really good player. And to get him back, whether that's in this playoff run or, or next season, whatever it may be, is going to be another shot in the arm to this team, not only emotionally, but on the hockey side of things. Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when he uh, departed, he was the team's either leading goal scorer or tied for the lead in goal scoring, I think maybe with mm -hmm. Travis Konechny. Um, so it was not like, uh, you know, we're, we're not talking about the Oscar Lindblom from two years ago, the guy that was, uh, you know, a rookie and, and just getting his feet wet. He was uh, one of the key offensive catalysts to this team. And, you know, even though the Flyers did not have the uh, – the greatest start to the season, and uh, most of that can be attributed to um, to the travel that they had to do early on. Um, he was one of the bright spots of that uh, first six weeks or so, um, right up till his diagnosis. Everybody was uh, kind of watching what he was doing and thinking, uh, "Wow, this is really uh, turning into uh, an offensive juggernaut here for this team." So, um, you know, so that that's why you know if he's able to come back and and be anywhere even close to what he was it's going to be, you know, almost like getting a new player in the middle of the playoffs and, you know, hopefully he'll get that opportunity.
Yeah, and of course, he signed a new contract extension as well, which is great news and security for him and for the organization. And everybody's pulling for Oscar, Oscar Strong. I think it's just so great to see NHL players from uh, rivals like Pittsburgh and other cities around the country. And when the team went out to on road trips out west and seeing those players embrace it as well was just absolutely incredible. Uh, Brian, uh, game two is in the books. Uh, the Flyers go down five to nothing in game two. Um, you know, it was an ugly game. It was a clunker, no doubt about it. The team is probably due for a clunker after, you know, winning all three games in the round robin by comfortable margins, I'd call it. Uh, and then winning game one with, uh, with an incomplete effort or uh, not the most complete effort through all 60 minutes. And they come into that one, maybe feeling a little full of themselves, maybe underestimating the opponent a little bit in uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And, and they paid for it. it. In some ways, it's probably good that they got thumped pretty good, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. Um, you know, for here, here's a couple of facts of life. One, the Flyers were not going to go 19 and 0. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was not going to happen. Uh, it's it just uh, not possible in this uh, day and age of this uh, NHL with all the parity and how even these teams uh, definitely are. Um, the other thing to, to consider was that you had a Montreal team that uh, had had its own adversity similar to what we were talking about just now with uh, Claude Julien uh, departing due to his uh, his chest pains and uh, he went, went back home to Montreal to recover and uh, of course we wish him uh, nothing but the best uh, he is uh, near the top of a long list of very very great people in this game so um, they had that to play for and uh, you know at the same time what, what you mentioned with uh, game one um, you know the only thing that I was concerned the biggest thing I was concerned about the game one is that um you know, it looked a lot of like one of those games that you see during the regular season that right before you go on a losing streak, you play a game where you're not at your best, but you manage to win anyway. And then next thing you know, you're on a slide. Um, you know, the, the Flyers need to stop that slide, obviously, because this is uh, certainly, uh, you know, not, not the time to be, uh, you know, dropping two, three games in a row because you're not going to be able to climb back from that hole. So recognizing that and getting a chance to, to you know, jump on it and, uh, you know, turn things around quickly will be key for this team if they're uh, going to have success in this series. Um, you know, it is a uh, an interesting situation, obviously, in the playoffs where you get to play the same team over and over again. The, um, the, the Canadians did two things yesterday that were kind of interesting. Um, you know, the, the first thing was uh, that they, after just one shift, um, moved Max Domi up in the lineup, and he ended up with three assists. And that was uh, that was something actually that Coetzee uh, thought that they were, we were going to see in that game was Max Domi going up the lineup, and we were a little surprised when it didn't happen during uh, during warmups, but then it ended up happening, uh, you know, during the game. So uh, that was one key that uh, was was very big for that team. And the other one was a late change where Jake Evans uh, didn't uh, didn't show up in the. Um, in the line rushes, which is what we watch for those of you who, um, you know, may not, uh, pay too much attention to warmups. Um, you just see guys skating around, um, from the broadcasting side, um, you know, Timmy and Coatsy and JJ, those guys are watching the line rushes and the coaches are too. Um, because at one point in the line rushes, you can tell, uh, what the team is going to be putting out there in the lineup, uh, the, the four forward lines and the three defensive pairs. Um, the Canadians ran Dale Weiss through the fourth line in the line rushes. And then uh, after warmups, they scratched him and put Jake Evans in the lineup. And that ended up paying off for them. He got an assist. He uh, had a very, very solid game. So they made those two changes that, uh, you know, again, aren't changes at the top of your lineup necessarily, but um, you know, they, uh, they, they definitely paid off for that team. And, you know, you got to wonder if there's something they saw in the first game where they thought, 
I don't know if they thought they could exploit it. The one thing that, that um, Max Domi said after the game was that they were just dead focused on doing what they can do. They stopped worrying, I guess, a little bit about the Flyers and just decided they were going to be as good at playing as their game as they possibly could. And obviously they did that. So what the Flyers want to do, I think, is uh, there's, there's a couple things. First of all, you, you hope that that's the best Canadians team that you see. Um, you know, hockey is a funny game, uh, and it's very hard sometimes to be 100% consistent from game to game. So you hope that that's the best the Canadians have to offer. And you can, uh, you can rest assured that from the moment that game was over yesterday, that the coaching staff was looking over the film and, uh, you know, looking at what went wrong for the Flyers in that game and uh, going to devise game plans to, uh, to, to counteract that. And that could be what Montreal was doing or could be fixing some things you know, that the Flyers were doing wrong as well. You might see an opportunity here for a little bit of shuffling in the lineup. A lot of uh, speculation out there is that Robert Haig might uh, slot in for Shane Gostisbehere. Obviously, we don't know what's going on with Travis Konechny. Um, Michael Roffel did take warm-ups yesterday, so he may be ready to go. Um, So you could see uh, the Flyers shuffle the deck a little bit too going into game three here. But uh, regardless, I don't think this is going to be an an ongoing problem. I don't think you're going to see the Flyers suddenly bow out of here with three straight losses uh, like that. Um, You know, I think you're going to see this team rebound and, uh, you know, in in game four or game three, rather, I think you get a bit of a a better indication of what this uh, what this series actually is. Um, it's all about punching and yeah, counter punching. Exactly. That, exactly. And 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 don't don't lose anything on the on the fact that even though the Flyers did cruise through that round robin, um, you know everybody's been saying it. Those round robin games were not quite playoff intensity games. Whereas Montreal came out of a uh, of winning a, a qualifying series that was playoff intensity so uh, they had that momentum going a little bit that's why they put the round robin in because the top four teams didn't want to just go into that first round not having played anything just been scrimmaging or whatever they wanted to get some meaningful hockey in. so I think now these first two games uh, maybe things settle down here we start to see a little bit more about what this uh, series might be all about and what's now a best of five yeah, and you're right. And, and Montreal absolutely dictated terms in that game. They just skated their butts off and the Flyers. Um, yeah, I think it was a combination of a couple of things. I think it's the fact that they went through the round robin games and won those games comfortably. I think it's that they won game one with uh, an inconsistent effort. And at that point, look, everybody's telling you how great you are. The, right. the, the, the local media, the national media, everybody's going to Flyers look great. The Flyers look great. Flyers are the second best fit, odds to win the Stanley Cup. And then you come into that game, you know, you got away with a win in game one without your most complete effort. And then you go into game two and your, your foot's a little off the gas. I, th- I think there's something happened very interesting after the game. Um, in the post-game press conference, Elaine Vigneault is already messaging his team. And what I mean by that is he brought up and he snuck it in right at the end. I thought that was strategic. He said that uh, he didn't like that Kirk Muller put on the number one power play unit with three minutes left in the game when they were up five, nothing. And he went on to editorialize and say, um, I thought my team embarrassed itself enough already that he didn't need to embarrass it further. Um, I don't think, I firmly believe that Elaine Vigneault doesn't care that their number nope. one power play unit was on the ice. <laughs> nope. He doesn't. What he wanted to do was plan a word. And that word is embarrassment to make sure, because you know what happens after the coach speaks. Every player that had a media availability um, was then asked about that, that element, and that word was used. Mm-hmm. He planted a seed, and the media waters it. And it's been, you know, bandied about by, uh, you know, analysts and everything. I can't believe he brought this up. And he brought it up as a simple, savvy way of messaging 
to his team to make sure that they understood that what, what happened was an embarrassment to create now intensity, urgency, and a, a strong desire to get back in the game. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's clearly what it was. And, you know? and, and, and it's also, um, you know, it's also for him a, a bit of a ploy to, I, I think, to, um, you know, to get, uh, to, get, to get the media talking about that as opposed to any yeah. uh, anything with the players and you, we saw that with Winnipeg uh, in the uh, in the qualifying round uh, you know I, I don't I don't think anybody uh, even if Paul Maurice thought that uh, that Kachuk intentionally tried to injure his player I don't think that he actually did but um, you know the the minute that uh, they lost that first game. Nobody's talking about how the game went. They're talking about that injury, that accusation, all that stuff. So there was a little bit of that there as oh, well. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, just, Paul Maurice put gasoline on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you want it, you want to, uh, you know, in that situation now, instead of uh, everybody talking about how bad so-and-so was, or, um, you know, the Flyers uh, top players not having uh, picked up any points yet, things like that. Now they're talking about this a little bit. So it's, uh, it's meant to deflect some pressure off of them get him talking about him, which nobody, you know, he doesn't care who's talking about him, um, you know, and, and, and maybe uh, clear their minds a little bit. Yep, absolutely. One of the things going forward, though, Brian, in game three is we do need to see the intensity get to uh, the commensurate level uh, of playoff hockey because that's where uh, a team like Montreal is going to be coming off a big win. They're going to sense an opportunity here. And, and the big thing is, is, is those top-line scorers uh, do need to get going. Depth scoring is great. But it's only an advantage when you're getting primary scoring right. and, and, and from your top players and, and the guys that, you know, generally carry the mail when it comes to offensive production on this team and have this regular season, they need to find their game and they need to find it now. Yeah, you don't have depth scoring anymore. And if your primary scoring is not there, because then your depth yeah. scoring becomes your primary scoring. And yeah. if, if uh, you know, if, if guys like uh, Phil Myers and, and those guys are the primary sources of offense for the Flyers, they've got some problems. Uh, you know, the guys that, uh, that tallied in the round robin and everybody was saying, oh, wow, look at this. These guys are getting points, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, you need your, you need your first line and uh, your, your, your second line obviously was not a problem for the Flyers in the round robin. That's where most of their offense came from. But, uh, but that first line's uh, get, getting to be about time to get it together, I think. And I'm sure that uh, Elaine Vigneault has uh, said that to them directly. And, uh, you know, he's also said it in some of the things that we've been able to hear him say in our in our media conferences uh, there's there's no doubt that um you know the at some point here the the flyers are going to go as those guys go and uh, they're, they're going to need it to start coming here pretty quick um one of the other interesting elements from game two bry was um uh, the pulling of carter hart um there was only one goal that i didn't like and that was the second one because it was all predicated um from a kind of a a non-decisive puck handle by Hart behind the net. And in, in the process of that, that was the turnover that led to, that kept the zone possession, um, number one. And then in the process of that, he lost his stick as well. And then eventually Kakaniemi is able to score as he's off balance without a stick. Uh, that He then loses his ability to try and deflect that puck off Kakaniemi's stick. Uh, and it presents a whole host of problems for a goalie and balance and all of those things. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that he pulled him with just, uh, just under two minutes left in the period. My take on that is that the reason why he did that is because if you change goalies in between periods, it's a barely noticeable affair. And right. this is Elaine again playing the psychologist here. 
if you pull him and you have to, the guys on the bench have to watch the goalie skate from his crease all the way to the bench while the other guy's taking off the baseball hat, putting his gloves on and getting his mask on and coming into a game, it's far more effective than sure. from, from just a, a visual standpoint than going in between periods and a different goalie coming out. And right. I think that was a message as well to wake up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, a lot of folks might see that happen and they just assume, oh, it's the goalie's fault or the goalie was playing badly or things like that. I don't think that was the case yesterday with, with Carter at all. Um, you know, it was uh, a couple of bad bounces, a couple of power plays that, uh, um, you know, uh, that, that went against the Flyers. And then, uh, you know, the, 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 the one sequence that you mentioned that, um, that, that maybe you needed to clean up, but uh, definitely wasn't a case yesterday where, um, you know, he was just waving at bucks and things were going by him or that he was off his angles or anything like that. It was more of a, uh, you know, just a, a bad, like Lane Vigneau said, it was a bad day up and down the lineup. And uh, again, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's good to, for me that not only did it, um, you know, I almost am happy that the Flyers lost five, nothing, because if they'd played like they did and only lost one or two, nothing, I don't think that it might be as much of a wake up call. Um, you yep. can lose five nothing, six nothing, eight nothing. It's still only one game. It's still yep. a one-one series. It doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't um, cost you any more than that. So the fact that um, you know that they were as thoroughly outplayed, especially out of the gate, um, as they were, and uh, you know that it was uh, such a, a lopsided win, to me, with the things that you mentioned, serve as more of a wake-up call and more of a hey, let's get this thing going, and and, and hopefully it's going to result in. Uh, you know, fixing, um, fixing multiple problems, not only in the, uh, um, you know, not getting up for that first period, but uh, maybe snapping some of the other guys out of the funk that they've been in throughout the playoffs, things along those lines. Yeah. And it, you're right to me. If you play a poor game like that and you lose three to two, it doesn't have yeah. nearly the same exactly. effect as losing five to nothing. And then, you know, and hence the word embarrassed is what Elaine used to, to describe the entire effort. Well, the good news is, Bri, is this. They haven't lost back-to-back games since – January 4th and January 7th in the six occasions where they did lose a game and, and come back and win every one of the opponents they beat after a loss was a playoff team with the exception of the Los Angeles Kings who they beat four to one. They beat Washington twice. They beat Columbus. They beat Florida. They beat the Boston Bruins. They beat the Colorado Avalanche. You're talking about some pretty good teams there coming off a loss. The four times this season when they lost a game by four or more goals, they came back and won the next game after those occasions as well. So does that all add up to a win uh, coming up uh, in game three? No, but it's the character of the team yeah. and it's their DNA. So they're a team that can bounce back. Couple that with a coach who's been through a lot of playoff runs and the playoffs is not a straight line. <laughs> right. It, it, it is taking you up the roller coaster and you don't know if you got, it's like a, a roller coaster in the dark. You don't know if a turn's coming, a loop, you don't know which one's going to upset your stomach and which one's going to make you elated with joy. That's right. playoffs and sports. Yeah, and that's absolutely. what this was. So. Absolutely. And, and, you know, to, um, to, to their credit, uh, the, the, the Flyers were only shut out three times this year. They didn't get shut out until uh, January 11th, um, which, was, which is way Tampa. later than, than many yeah. years. Um, the, uh, the, the one game after the, the game, the, la- the third shutout was the last game of the season. So they didn't play another game after that. But the other two – um, they, they came back and uh, beat Boston six to five in the shootout. So they got five goals in that game against a very good team. That was the game where, um, where, where, uh, 
uh, Brad Marchand overskated the puck on the uh, shootout attempt. And then uh, the, the other shutout, which was um, a game that's been talked about a little bit in getting ready for this playoff series. It was that Jersey game that came between a bunch of, uh, you know, big name teams and everybody thought it was a trap game. And uh, Elaine Vigneault talks about a word that started with B when, <laughs> when referring to that. Um, at any rate, they came back after that game and beat Washington 7-2. to two. So they have bounced back not only to win games, but they bounced back to score a lot of goals after shutouts this year. So again, and that was a five, nothing loss to the, to the devils. Yeah. yeah. And so again, it's been a while, obviously, um, you know, we're talking seven months, I think since this. So, um, you know, a, a lot of the comparisons aren't maybe as valid, but in the long run, it's the same group of players uh, with the same mentality and operating the same way. And so, um, you know, I think uh, that that's perhaps uh, uh, some qualities that will carry over and and again I, I think you're going to see a Flyers team tomorrow that uh, comes out very motivated to show that that uh, game two was just a fluke yep and you got your one thanks boys and uh, we'll move forward <laughs> yep exactly all right that's going to put a wrap on the episode number seven of Flyers fix Bry thank you thank you Jason and uh, great great to hear from Oscar and uh, hopefully we're going to be seeing uh, more and more of them here over the next uh, couple of weeks Yep, well said. Thanks to Oscar Lindblom for joining us as well. Happy birthday to Oscar. In the meantime, everybody, enjoy your hockey, stay safe, and we'll talk to you in the next episode of Flyers Fix.